Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. All right, Marketeers, thank you so much for joining me. Today I have on Sean Stewart. Sean has 20 years of service marketing experience, 15 of which have been in the architecture, engineering, and construction industry, AEC. Sean has worked at firms both large and small in a variety of roles, including proposal writer, proposal manager, and marketing director. He has a master of science degree in applied psychology from USC, where he focused on consumer psychology. He also has conducted research on how visual cues unconsciously influence service provider selection and focuses on how to apply principles in consumer psychology and behavioral economics in proposal development and marketing professional services. Currently, Sean is the marketing manager with Ghirardelli Associates, a construction management firm specializing in the transportation sector. Welcome, Sean. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So before we dig into what I brought you on here to talk about, which is applying consumer psychology to AEC marketing, I'm curious how you got started in this industry. What's your story? Yeah, I I think like probably like everyone who's listening, I kind of fell into it. Um, <laughs> so it's something I just planned to do. I actually, when I was an undergrad, I thought I wanted to be a therapist and get my mm-hmm. PhD teach at a university and do research. My senior year, I actually did an internship. I was doing counseling and I realized I don't think I'd want to be a therapist all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And I also found out that there's really not many jobs teaching at a university. So okay. kind of stopped and went, ended up in marketing, worked in marketing for a little bit for a few years for service marketing, for training, and then ended up working, starting to work at an engineering firm. Very good. So... I think to establish a baseline, because this is such a high level topic that we're going granular on, I think it's first key to establish what is consumer psychology. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And, and so consumer psychology is easiest way to describe it is, you know, you're studying the factors and whether that's cognitive, mm-hmm. emotional, it could even be environmental or biological or cultural. Just right. any, any of the factors that go into people's decision-making process when they buy right. a product. So that could be when they're evaluating products or services, when they actually make the purchase, and also when they use whatever product or service that they selected. So it's studying how things influence that decision and ultimate right. use. Perfect. So then how do we use consumer psychology in AEC marketing? You know, at the end of the day, I think our job as marketers is to influence people's decision-making process. Mm-hmm. And so this fits in pretty well, And right. but it is such a broad topic. So, you know, I was thinking about that. And I first, I think one thing that's important to note is the difference between regular consumer marketing and, you know, goods and services and professional services, Right. you know, consumer services, it's, you buy a Coke, that's a dollar, $2 not a million dollar. Right. So it's a lot of fast, quick decisions. So you have more room to influence people's decision-making process. 
And in some studies, you word an ad a certain way or change something, you might have a one to 2% increase. For us, that doesn't really matter. Right. But for consumer goods, a one to 2% increase times several million people is substantial. So right. it's understanding kind of the differences and where to apply. So the way I like to look at it is if you look at regular consumer goods and services, think of it as like, you know, like a pyramid, right? So you have a very few number or opportunities to contact your client or potential clients to interact with them, but you have a whole lot of clients. Mm -hmm. So a small impact up here can make a huge impact on your bottom line. For us in professional services, it's flipped. You know, so we right. have very few mm -hmm. clients. We might have a couple thousand in California, you know, that really are the ones that decide who to hire. But we have a lot more opportunity to interact with them. So understanding right. how you can apply those things over the long term, some of these concepts over the long run, really makes an impact. So some of it's repetition, but there's, I think, three really big concepts that I would want to share and that probably will make the biggest impact right away. Yeah. The first one is a concept of warmth and competence. So there's a really good book by Malone and Fitz called The Human Brand. And they talk about brands in terms of their perceived warmth and competence. And what I mean by that is warmth is a company's good intentions towards the community and their clients. Competence is their ability to carry out those intentions. Mm. So for us, it's really interesting because when I did my master's thesis, this was something I found is that for professional services, you can't make a mistake when you're building a bridge. It's going to cost you a lot of money. So mm -hmm. competence is key. So understanding how to convey competence in all of your marketing materials and communications is very critical. Right. So that is number one. But there is a role for warmth because if everyone is competent, great. What's the dividing factor? Sometimes I'd rather work with these guys. They're a little yeah. more fun. They're more warm. So that's something that is important to understand and how to, to convey those two feelings. The other one is, this sounds weird, but the role of oxytocin, the neurotransmitter, okay. in, in eliciting feelings of trust and also getting compliance and how storytelling actually impacts oxytocin levels. Because, you know, there is research out there. There's a whole field of marketing called neuromarketing, where they look at the underlying brain functions and what happens when you're making a decision and buying something. And what's really interesting is oxytocin has a huge role, especially when deciding a service provider. And it's okay. kind of funny because the way they study this, they actually have an oxytocin like nasal spray. And, you know, it's not like... When you do an interview, like, hey, here, let me just snip this real quick. You know, we can't believe <laughs> that. But the funny thing is, there are other things that will increase oxytocin. And one of the easiest ones is storytelling. There's a study where they had a bunch of kids in a hospital. They measured their oxytocin levels. Then they all heard a story. They did like story time. Afterwards, oxytocin went up. So, you know, wow. when you write proposals, they say, oh, make it a story. Make your project description or case study a story. Yeah. And not a specification list. That's why. Because when you have a story, you have the protagonist, you have the challenge, and nice. it kind of builds that empathy. And that empathy builds oxytocin. It increases mm. levels of oxytocin. And then when you hear a sales message at the same time, you're more trusting towards that sales message. So that's why 
storytelling work. So that's another thing. And there's a lot of research on it. I mean, even giving chocolate. So if you do an interview in person, which is kind of rare now, bring chocolate. You know, that also kind of rich. Okay. That's, that's another, you know, some other thing that you want to look at. And then another one is something called means and theory. And this is very similar to what we do in proposals where we talk about win themes. Mm-hmm. And, but this is like kind of what we do on steroids. So, you know, with win themes, like, okay, why select us? How does that benefit them? You know, feature, benefit, proofs, you know. Yeah. This is a little bit more in-depth. And if you can do it right, which is interesting because we have so much time between when we know a project's going to come out to mm-hmm. the RFP to selection, we actually have a lot of time to do some of this exploration and really find really good win themes. But it does take a lot more work. Right. So in summary, the first one was, remind so me. So the fir- first thing was per- perceptions of warmth and competence. Okay. Warmth and competence, then oxytocin and storytelling. Yeah. And then means and theory. Means and theory. Got it. So then when you're looking at means and theory, because you're definitely the first person to mention this to me and when themes are my jam. Yeah. How, how do those two intertwine? Okay. Very closely. It's funny. When I was learning about means and theory, I'm like, oh my God, this is so much like doing a win theme, mm-hmm. but way more detailed. So the example I was given was, let's say my professor actually did some of the messaging and uh, segmentation for Kettle One Vodka. So okay. th- this was the example I was given. So like you're out at a bar, you order a drink, you order, what do you order? Like, let's say, oh, did you order vodka? Okay, which vodka did you order? Which brand? Okay, let's say Kettle One or Smirnoff or like, you know, Grey Goose. Okay, why did you order that one? And let's say they said Grey Goose. Like, okay, why did you order that? Oh, well, because it's premium. Okay, well, why is premium important? Because it's higher quality and it tastes better. Okay, well, why is that important? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if it tastes better, I don't know. I just feel like I'm spending my money right. Okay, why is spending your money right important? So you kind of see a pattern here, right? You keep going deeper and deeper. Right. And so what you end up with, instead of, you know, feature, benefit, proof, this does, okay, what is feature? Basically, we call it the attribute in the intent theory. Yeah. And then instead of the benefit, you have the functional consequence or functional benefit, which is the tangible. And then you have the psychosocial benefit. Mm. And then you have the underlying value. Right. So in this example, it's okay. It's, you know, the benefit is quality. It's feeling, you know, the quality, it's tasting better. It's, you know, psychosocial is feeling like you got your money's worth. Okay, why mm-hmm. is that important? Because I don't want to be taken advantage of. Okay, psychosocial benefit. Mm. Why is that important? Well, because I'd feel a little bit less about myself or I'd feel bad. And then right. you, so it basically you keep going down to this value and you get that underlying value. And so for consumer goods, they do this hundreds, thousands of times. Mm-hmm. And what they start doing is they find maps. So they map each feature for a product to a certain number of benefits, to a certain number of values. And once okay, you know yeah. that chain, it looks almost like a tree, almost like an upside down tree. And once you find that chain, you can develop your messaging based on it. So that's how they develop ads and you know whether it's print ad or radio or commercial, 
they take that and they always tie in that benefit. So you may have, you, know, you may see this in some McDonald's commercials, you know, where mm-hmm. it's like family all together, you know, it, because they got right. that because there's that underlying benefit that led to all the things they're showing in the commercial. So it kind sure. of matches and becomes more effective. Now, for us, we're not going to interview hundreds of people. You know, we're right. going to have interview maybe three or four for a given project or even one. But we're probably, if we're doing our jobs right or our business development staff is employing the, you know, we're positioned and only meeting them once, but actually meeting with them again and again, mm-hmm. you can do this multiple times, dozens of times with one person. And you get a really good idea of what you need to say. A good example of this was a couple of firms ago. I was working with the business development manager. She was probably one of the best I've worked with. And she, it was a Department of Defense contract for doing like a design build RFP to actually write the RFP for a facility. And she was meeting with the lieutenant colonel in charge of that mm. for two years, multiple conversations. And what we found was, okay, what do you look for in the consultant? Someone who keeps me informed, okay? Someone who I don't have to worry about looking over the shoulder all the time, but they still let me know what's going on in them. Okay, well, why is that important? I want to make sure that things are going well and that, you know, he, that it's being efficient. Okay, well, great. Why is that important? Well, then it comes out. Well, I, you know, this is kind of like my ticket to being promoted to full colonel. What we found out was this individual retired, came back to the military. And so people that he was started with were higher rank. So that was really bugging him. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our messaging was, you know, helping you complete your mission, helping you advance your mission. So that informed some of the language we use, that informed how we said things and we won. And so that's a really good example of taking that deeper dive. You know, yeah, we could have said, Oh, you, you need lead certification because this will help you with credits and save you this much money. And we did this here, here, and here. Okay. Yeah, that's good. But even better is it reached right to his very personal goal. Right. With them, these are my guys. And so we started that conversation with them. And then in our proposal, we referenced that and we were consistent with it all throughout. And that's what got us the job. And we were an underdog, totally. But because of all the talk that we had, all the conversations, we learned that and we took that information and were able to apply it in the right way. I love that. That is so cool. Doesn't always happen that way, though, unfortunately. Right, <laughs> right. Like, I mean, oh, if they were telling that'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I love how this applies to win themes. How do we then apply this to? like interviews and presentations when there's mm-hmm. a lot more yeah presumably face-to-face interaction yep. whether it's a yeah. virtual face or not okay so part of it is with you know kind of like as i alluded to earlier it's language choice you know how do you say things and so understanding that in a presentation make it a story don't make it this massive list of bullet points of all the things you're going to do Right. Walk them through how you are going to tell them the story of how you are going to do this project and how you're going to help them. And some of it, too, is, you know, you're looking at like not just language use, but color selection, visual cues, repetition and the storytelling, you know, language use. Funny thing about that is. Language use 
the types of words you use to describe things can be more persuasive or not. And here's an example. You ever hear that the old commercial, Chevy, like a rock? Yes. Yeah, sensory yeah, yeah. Sensory language. What does that convey? Rock solid. What's important to Chevy owners? A rock solid, dependable truck. Okay, well, right. what's more solid than a rock? You know, when I did my master's thesis, I was doing ads for medical and legal. And one of the things I used was rock solid legal advice. And then mm. several other hundred people saw an ad that just said legal advice you can trust. Well, guess what? The one that said rock solid legal advice performed better just by the change in language. Right. And there's a couple of things behind that. One of them is called psychological distance and also kind of endowment effect, but I'll briefly explain it. It basically, you want to convey, if their need is immediate, mm-hmm. you want to convey things close. Okay. So sensory language, things that are senses that are close, touch and taste, they're close. They perform mm. better than sensory language that's farther away, like sight or sound. So in this case, you know, like when I did the legal advice, and the interesting thing with that study, what I did is, especially with the people who had recently hired an attorney or were about to hire an attorney, I was asking them like, hey, which one's better? The ones that had the touch, the light salt, like, you know, was it a legal, was rock salt legal advice? It mm. did better. Rock solid. It's touch. It's it's physical. So right. that performed better. So in an interview, if you know the project's going to be right next to their office or really close, then you want to use sensory language or even images that look closer or convey closeness. Whereas mm-hmm. if it's a year from now, or if it's something that is very abstract or something that is far, far away from them physically, then you use sight and sound it's a little more effective. Now, it doesn't mean that you do that, you're going to win. It's just, if you don't do anything else, you're you're still going to lose. But it's just that little bit of a nudge and those little nudges add up. And so that's why things like repetition are important. And then, you know, even I like to touch base on color real quick is, you know, we we talked about warmth and competence. Well, guess, guess which color elicits feelings or perceptions of competence? Blue. Exactly. Okay. Blue. Warmth, red, orange. Mm. The, you know, the other, the fun thing about red though is red also, depending on, and this is culturally based too, other cultures it's different. But generally, you know, here it's red is warmth, but it's also danger or warning. Mm. And sometimes you can use that to your advantage because red has this weird, on people generally where subconsciously their brain gets a little more active, a little more mm. aware and or aroused and psychological arousal actually leads to greater purchase intention as well. And so it's something, it's very, it's very small effects. You're not looking at anything major. It's just little things here and there that you can do. The key thing though, is with the colors, with bar or clothes or the language choice, the key thing is get the information Talk to the client as much as you can and be consistent. So again, repetition. Mm-hmm. The brain loves repetition. You hear something enough times, you're going to think it's true, even if you know it's false. You know, it's just that, right. yeah. that it, the brain loves repetition. So that's why you always got to remember that. Perfect. 
That's probably also why songs I don't like when I hear the first time, I end up liking after I hear them for the 50th time on the radio. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So if there were three things you'd want our listeners to know or to take away about applying psychology to the AEC market, what would they be? Three things. It's a lot. I think, you know, the biggest, it's, I wouldn't say it's the most important, but it's very important is understand warmth and competence mm. because that is the easiest thing for us to implement. Right. You know, make sure we are conveying competence primarily and then warmth mm. in that order. That's, that's one. Another one is the importance of storytelling. And then finally, I know this sounds weird, not necessarily specifically marketing, but in general, there's this theory about learning where for you to be able to apply something, you have to understand it. So to effectively apply a concept, you have to understand that concept very well. Right. To understand the concept, you have to know it. And sometimes I feel because a lot of us didn't get trained as professional marketers, we kind of learn along the way, yeah. but we don't always go that extra step deeper to look at why. Why does this work? You know, I don't know if you've heard about I've, I've heard this in conferences before where people are more motivated by preventing a loss yes. than they are by a gain. Well, yeah. but why is that? Where did that come from? You know, and that's when I started learning about like, behavioral economics. There's actually there's research by Kahneman and Richard Thaler. They won the Nobel Prize in economics. They're basically the fathers of behavioral economics. They looked at purchasing decisions and the psychology behind economic decisions. And they did a bunch of research where they found that, yeah, people actually will do more to prevent a loss than a game that's just as equal, you know, to the loss or even more. They'll focus more on the loss. And so understanding that and understanding how and when to apply that is critical. And I think, you know, the problem for us is we are surrounded by engineers. Mm-hmm. Engineers are great. But you know what? The skill set required to design a bridge is not the same skill set required to sell the services so that we can design that bridge. Right. And there is, you need to start thinking we are marketing professionals. Granted, a lot of the things out there we can't directly apply because it's more consumer based and it's more interesting. Mm-hmm. But there are ways we can modify things and make them fit what we do. And so that would be the third thing is go deeper. Don't just know it, know why it's the case and understand on a deep level why things happen the way they do and why things are effective or not effective. Perfect. I love that. That's like the little kids, the games that they play, Mm -hmm. the the why game. Yeah. It's like, what, what, just understand why. Yeah. Uh, because you'll start seeing other places where you can apply it, apply it and know when to apply it too. Right. Perfect. Well, if our listeners want to get in touch with you or learn more about your work, where should I direct them? You know, LinkedIn is good. Cool. I think you have my email. Yes. I'll post that up there. So yeah, that'd be the perfect way to get a hold of me. Perfect. I'm also going to include the book that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. I have a, I have a few actually. I have perfect. I a list. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, that's the... The Human Brand, but there's also one Human called Nudge by Richard Thaler. That's oh, yeah. Really I've one. heard of that one. Yeah. Yeah. Storytelling with Data is a great one. I, I've i done presentations based on that book. There is also a TED Talk by Melissa Marshall, who talks about how to do effective presentations and communicate data, which is a great 
TED Talk as well. Perfect. I'll include all that in the episode show notes, along with your LinkedIn and your email. Yeah, great. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me. No problem. Thank you. All right, Marketeers, that is a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. Thank you again to Sean for joining me to talk about consumer psychology and how we can apply it to the AEC market. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast, I would invite you to subscribe and also review wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes are released every other Wednesday. Chat soon.
And as you well know by now, new episodes are released every other Wednesday. We'll chat soon. Chat soon.